0: Ladies and gentlemen, right. I am here uh, episode 1000 uh, with uh, Bert and... <laughs> episode 1000. <000. laughs> <laughs> well, at this rate, you know, <laughs> um, but um, we are here to talk about the Dutch tulip bubble. But first, uh, I am going to make Bert very jealous by talking about food. Um, oh, nice. Because uh, at the moment of recording, it's about nine o'clock in the evening here, um, and uh, around dinner time, I had a piece of grilled salmon from the barbecue, um, mm. with uh, a salad of mm. uh, small tomatoes with burrata and pieces Ooh, of avocado.
1: Very nice. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. A olive
0: oil, some black pepper. Um, and uh some fried potatoes
1: oh man that's that's good that's actually i have a northern <laughs> italian cookbook that's like very much like a northern italian little potatoes little tomatoes little cheese oh, yeah. very nice very nice <laughs> very nice very nice i oh, like yeah. it a lot i did uh, oh, a yeah. we uh before um so yesterday when i before i went out i was hanging out with my grandmother and we were having a grill out cookout see here's the thing bush you don't know this maybe you don't know this maybe you do Where uh You spent time in the U.S., but I don't particularly remember where, and I don't know if you said, but there's parts of the U.S. where you're not allowed to call it a barbecue because it's not actually a barbecue. Yeah, because when you grill stuff, (laughs) it's not technically a barbecue. A barbecue is when you smoke stuff, when you slather it in stuff or when you dry rub stuff is specifically what... Like, barbecue Ah, is is more like a style of cooking and a set of spices. So we call that a grill-out, but it doesn't matter. It sounds delicious. And I had... uh, Yesterday, I had a little... We made um, sliders, you know, little cheeseburgers. Yeah. And then we made... So we made a few of them, and that was kind of the appetizer. You know, just tiny... They were so little. Tiny little hamburgers. And the main was... When the when the coal fire grill when we put out the coal fire grill and the, it was just smoldering, we threw a piece of salmon on and we just let it smoke for a little while. It was really oh, good.
0: Man, that sounds so good. I fucking love salmon, man. Just yeah,
1: salmon rocks. Salmon is yeah, uh, salmon just, rocks.
0: Just any old salmon, just like stuff it down my throat. I love it.
1: What's your favorite kind of fishes? I like. I, I, let me give you my. My top three. I'm a big fan of, I'll go three to one swordfish, Mm -hmm. salmon, tuna. That's what I'm going to say.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm pretty close. I, I'd say salmon, tuna, and, oh man. What about Uh... like a cod
1: or a haddock or anything like that? You probably have a lot of those.
0: Oh dude. Maybe I have to, I don't know. It's, and different but i really love herring as well oh do you like like pickled or or straight uh just raw so oh uh yeah yeah so, they, you
1: can you can fry those i don't know if you know that but you can fry them up and they basically just disintegrate and it and it just turns into like a fishy
0: batter it's great i mean according to americans you can fry everything you, well you and... can <laughs> you <Yeah>. definitely can <laughs> I don't agree. <laughs> Some
1: things you shouldn't fry, but you can fry anything. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, are
0: you? Uh, are you drinking anything in particular at, at this very present moment,
1: moment? I am not drinking anything in particular. I should change that. I'm gonna get. I'm. <laughs> I'm in the works for securing the new white claw flavors. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna try and get that. In fact, let me go and procure a beverage. Oh, no. Wait a minute. Aha. There's there an undrunk... Hold well, on, let me get it. Okay, there you go. There's an, There was an undrunk, slightly warm can of... I think this is Black Cherry White Claw. Okay, fine. There we go. I'm in. Poshito, I'm in. Nice.
0: I'm in. Nice, 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 nice. I have here, uh, apart from a big glass of water, a significantly smaller glass of um, whiskey. Uh, I don't know the exact brand right at the moment, but it's Scottish. Um, Dude, uh, I have a, I bought
1: this bottle of rum from. I think it's called Batavia or something like that. It's like Batavia right. brand rum, and it's one of the subsidiaries of the Dutch East India Company. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't even red. know. I didn't even know that existed. Still, so that <laughs> I, I have this like. This like old timey looking bottle of rum, Dutch rum that I'm looking forward oh, to. That's awesome. Cracking open. Yeah. Dude, rum is but, rum is pretty oh sick.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's just because today is a particularly good day because I just, like I did all of the last work of my thesis. Ooh. I'm going to go over it one more time tomorrow and then I'm going to send it in. But mm. this whiskey, it's just so deliciously smoky.
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. Enjoy. Drink up. <laughs> oh, Fuck, I love it, man. All right. Educate me about economics. I suppose. <laughs> about tulips.
0: Ah, about tulips. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's his puzzle. Okay, so let me as my as the foreigner here yes. in this situation. <laughs> allow me to give you my outside perspective. So yeah. this is what I understand is that the Dutch tulip bubble occurs because people really love these flowers. Now that now now I uh, now obviously there's got to be something to it deeper than that, but all I know about the tulip bubble is that the Dutch economy got really invested in the i maybe the production and the purchase of tulips and maybe the selling of tulips, and mm-hmm. then suddenly just people didn't want tulips anymore, so that's all that I know, and apparently it's a tremendous problem for your country
0: <laughs> uh, well, so that's very interesting because I haven't had much of any uh history lessons on this as far as i can remember
1: wow really
0: yeah so i just i had to do basically all of the research like i had zero memory of what's going on um but before we start or before we really start i guess um so tulips were really a status symbol like they got absurdly expensive at some point um we'll get into how expensive in a little bit, but just to give you an indication, this was like tulips were largely reserved for the absolute elites um, of society and they had special vases for them. So, you know how nowadays you have like a bouquet of flowers in like one vase?
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So what they did is they had a vase with like several smaller necks so that you could display each and every tulip separately
1: individually wow so yeah. they so it so, wasn't so much the tulips themselves it was the fact that everything started to build around the tulips
0: um that's interesting. well maybe it's just that i mean it was just a way to to uh show that you were absurdly wealthy
1: yeah, because they don't last long. They're very expensive.
0: Exactly, yes. Uh-huh. So, I mean, imagine uh, not only having the flex of having a tulip in your home, but sure. being a fucking player that you have multiple tulips in your home.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Gotcha, that makes sense. All right. So, like tulips, so- here's the no- another question. Two, two yes. I guess. Number one, tulips grow naturally
0: in the Netherlands? Uh, no, at least... You, they were um, imported? So they were imported, but they can grow here.
1: They can? Oh, they can. Okay. And then yes. the second question is, um, are tulips very expensive today? Do you know?
0: Um, Not in particular. I believe you don't know or you don't know if they're expensive?
1: expensive?
0: Well, let's put it this way. They're relatively expensive, I believe. Mm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I I believe, like, compared okay. to oh here you go but i, I did not think i could search this you here
1: i got this i don't know the euro translation but it's probably times two point something uh no, so
0: the dollar and the euro are like almost the same oh
1: really okay well yeah. there you go so uh one dollar and 30 cents per stem of tulip you can order online so <laughs> they, yeah, they're not very hard, expensive right? yeah they're not that expensive no.
0: anymore no not yeah. at all <laughs> wow uh um, Alright, so uh, to set the stage a little bit for what's going on here the uh, tulip bubble or mostly the crash around the tulip bubble takes, around, takes place in around 1636 and 1637 um, so uh, at this time This, is, this are, is before the
1: revolt by the way? This is before the revolt? No,
0: no this is during the revolt ah, So,
1: okay.
0: yeah the 80 Years War starts in 1568. Um, okay. So this is near the end of it. Then, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So the 12-year truce starts in 1609 and ends in 1621. This is really when the Dutch Golden Age kicks off. Um, let's see. Then the uh, Dutch-Spanish War ends in 1648 with the Peace of Munster being a uh, larger part of the uh, greater of the the greater Thirty Years' War. Fuck me. So I'm going to try this again. The whiskey. <laughs> Twelve-year <laughs> Already, already. <laughs> uh, uh, ends in 1648 with the Peace of Munster. Uh, this coincides with the Greater Thirty Years' War and the Peace of Westphalia. Um, which ends the entire 30 Years' War. Oh, I was going to say, so the the Dutch are
1: involved in the Treaty of Westphalia. I didn't realize that. Yes. Hmm. But from a different war, not from the 30 Years' War. Or are they also involved Um, in the 30 Years' War?
0: Kind of. So uh, what kind of happens is that uh, the 80 Years' War kind of merges into the 30 Years' War. Ah, Um, okay. So... The Thirty Years' War is just multiple larger, larger European nations and empires
1: yeah, just all uh, and all.
0: warring. Yep. yep. Um, and then, yeah, we were just already at war, but more people um, start warring with the Spanish because mm-hmm. fuck the Spanish. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and then one last bit of background uh, is between sixteen hundred. And 1702, the Netherlands, has the highest per capita income in the entire world. Um, wow. They are literally... Uh, per capita. Per capita yes. income. Wow. Hm. Yeah. So they are like the number one economic powerhouse in the world at this time. Um, yeah. Let's see. So... Um, And why is this,
1: Bushido, for the, uh, for the, because I have some rough understanding as to why this is, and I'm sure you have a good understanding. Why is this? So obviously this is colonialism.
0: Yes. It has everything to do with colonialism, the spice trade. um, And now where were the 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 Dutch colonizing
1: in the, in the 1500s uh,
0: and 1600s? Africa? Indonesia. Oh, wow. Far away. Oh shit. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. The East Indies. So. That's another whole story for mm. the next fucking bonus episode. That's several um, stories. Yeah. Well, um the uh, the VOC, the Verenigde Oost-Indische Company, the United East India Company, mm. uh, which is the very first publicly traded company yes, in the world. Is. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, that is also a very interesting story, which we will not be getting into today. Um, because we have plenty of content here, yes. Um, it does make you wonder about the origins
1: of the publicly traded company when you actually look into the history of it, (laughs) (laughs)
0: yes. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the VOC or the uh, East India Company functions very much in the same way as the British East India Company, yeah. And they are essentially, yeah, uh, their own government in Indonesia, like Mm. they are. Such a a uh, such a, a powerful entity, essentially, that the Dutch government is like. You know what? You just do you. Mm-hmm. And we won't even get in the way. Hmm. Can't um, it. be good. So let's see. It's also called the Tulip Mania or Topenmani in Dutch. Mm. Uh, and well, the biggest crash takes place in February. 1637, mm, okay. um, and you have to imagine that uh, at its at the highest price, um, some tulip bulbs were sold for a price roughly ten times the annual salary of a skilled craftsman in in the Netherlands.
1: Yes. Holy shit! And if they're the richest country in the world at this time, that's oh yeah wow, that puts it into perspective. That's like saffron. That's going to be very expensive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yep. Holy shit. Um, for
1: a fucking flower.
0: Oh yeah. But there's a lot of shit going on with it. Uh, and it's not quite the way it appears. Um, and I think the moral of the story is that don't let the British tell you anything. Uh, the free market works a lot better than people think it does. Um, And you will see why this is. Um, So this event is really only popularized almost 100 years later in 1841 in a book Extraordinary Popular Decisions and the Madness of Crowds by some Britbank journal called Charles McKay. Now, he claims that many big investors were completely ruined by the bursting of the bubble and Dutch commerce suffered heavily as a uh, consequence of these falling prices, chilling the economy for many years after. There is, however, not enough data to back up this claim. Ooh. Uh, so, let's start with a little history of uh, the tulip in general. Um, so, it first makes its way to Europe in 1554. Uh, from the Ottoman Empire, their gift uh, from uh, the Ottoman Empire Emperor to King Ferd- <laughs> Ferdinand the first um, in fifteen ninety three so about forty years later hmm. they find their way to the Hortus academicus uh, in the University of Leiden um, Leiden being in northern Holland um or southern Holland, well, in Holland, so in the Netherlands, the northern Netherlands at this time. I was gonna say, uh, you guys,
1: don't you guys like <laughs> your directions are like <laughs> backwards. Uh, I was thinking about that. Well, We're gonna have trouble problems talking about this because the Dutch people think the south is the north.
0: <laughs> what? No! <laughs> <laughs> what, the fuck? what the fuck are you going on about, Bert? You fucking idiot. <laughs> That's
1: what I understand about the Dutch, right? Is you guys don't know which direction is down. Isn't that how it works? I thought that was <laughs> how it the works. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair enough. Maybe it's just Australians that do that.
0: <laughs> I don't remember us being uh bad person uh, Down Under. <laughs>
1: I mean well, you talk you are well, you are referred to as down under, <laughs> to be fair. You are literally the name of your country is the underland.
0: <laughs> yeah, all right.
1: <laughs> Just need everybody to remember remember oh, God, that the know. Dutch come from a place known as the
0: underworld. Just remember that. <laughs> the underlands, yes. <laughs> um no, no, the thing is we have uh, a North Holland province and a South Holland province mm. but they are not the same as the Southern and Northern Netherlands oh, were back then. because Holland used to be one province and there's another one under Holland um, and the Southern Netherlands are now Belgium
1: Belgian Holland <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: just name everything just name everything varieties of Holland
0: okay there you go <laughs> oh Jesus uh, did you see that fucking map of uh, just basically all of the states being like, this is Virginia. This is North Virginia. This is North, North Virginia. Yes, yes. yes. North, <laughs> North, North, North Virginia. Yes. I'm campaigning.
1: I'm campaigning to make it so that the state of West Virginia breaks into Northwest Virginia and Southwest <laughs> West Virginia. Because that's, oh, so <laughs> that we that's really that's what <laughs> anarchy is. Everybody breaks up into their own geographically different area. That's
0: great. Oh, could you imagine Jesus Christ? Um, anyway, yes, I can actually so- imagine
1: Virginians doing that, by the way. Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, I really can. Fucking Virginians, man. Someone should yeah. chop them. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so in the University of Leiden, uh, it is discovered that tulips grow well even under harsh Dutch uh, circumstances. Now, the reason these tulips were so expensive is because they stood out from other flowers uh, due to their very intense petal color. Petal, Mm. petal, what's the fucking word? Well,
1: the New York way of saying is pedal with a D. Okay. So whatever you want to do. Pedal. I say pedal. Petal.
0: All right. So um, when infected with a particular virus, which I did not care to write down the name of, uh, there's a very cool, like, separating or, like, bleeding effect created in the individual flower petals. Um, oh, tulip breaking. Oh,
1: the tulip breaking tulip virus. Breaking, yes. yes. Oh, is that what that is? Oh, yes. I didn't know that was unnatural. I thought that was normal for tulips to do that. Oh, that's cool.
0: No. Hmm. Well, I mean, natural—it's a naturally occurring virus, right? So. But it,
1: yeah, but the tulip certainly doesn't yeah. want to have it.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, got it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, around this time, the Golden Age is kicking off, um, and to give you an impression of how much it's kicking off, uh, a Dutch trader could sail to Indonesia, uh, buy spices and trade goods, sail back to the Netherlands. And sell them for a 400% profit. Oh, nice. Yes. Holy shit. Um, Yeah. And this leads me to a quick side point. It shows you how utterly incompetent the Spanish are. Um, Why? Because the Spanish have, couldn't even do it? They have one of the world's biggest empires. Mm-hmm. And they go and fight a war with some tiny ass northern European nation. Mm. And somehow managed to become broke themselves in the process and boost their economy into being the world's number one economic powerhouse.
1: Mm-hmm, right. By this time, the Spanish Golden Age is, like, ending. It would have to be, of course. Because I, uh, I, right, that isn't that the case? So. Right, because after, really, after Ferdinand and Isabella pay Columbus, which would be 1492 and then 14... Yeah, by that this, this time, the Spanish Golden Age has to be dying out. They yeah, won back I'm their country, sure. and then that, then then that was it. And then they spent. A sh- I was. I'm doing not to take us too far off, but in my what I'm writing right now, I'm actually le- reading a lot about Columbus uh, and um, about the the requerimiento, the document that they had to read the Native right. Americans, um, and um, just just not to say that, but to say the the Columbus was like a not a very good sailor. And he didn't have a very good plan. And the Spanish crown still believed there was so much money potentially to get out of the New World that they paid him an assload of money and didn't even know whether or not he was going to make it <laughs> oh, in the first place. So they – they maybe to indicate that it might have been the the Reconquista and the Inquisition might have cost them such a shit ton of money. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. But it all happens around the same time.
0: Well – I just blame it on them being Spanish.
1: I, probably all of those things. <laughs> probably all <laughs> of the different things that come with that.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so a funny detail here is that a lot of growers, um, they name their strains after themselves, but they put a prefix to it. Uh, general or Admiral. So general or Admiral. Mm. So uh, you'd get like the... General burlarkist strain hmm. of, um, of, of, tulip. I thought it was kind of funny. These guys kind of uh, making like themselves more important than they are. It's
1: like, it's like weed. <laughs> Everybody has their own strain. Of- <laughs> That's interesting. So what? The, it's it's the strain of the tulips with the viruses in them, or is it the strain of the tulip? Like, does the virus genetically translate its colors over to the next plants? Do you know um, how that works?
0: I didn't look too deeply into it, but I assume it would uh genetically transfer yes,
1: oh, there you go. well, then, yeah, you could have different strains, oh man, that's yeah. cool. yes, so now I can see why um, people got into it because it was customizable and stuff. it wasn't just it yeah. wasn't just stupid flowers. Now I can see it
0: <laughs> um so uh let's see, in the northern hemisphere, so uh, we call this, I believe, Europe. Uh, the USA, etc. These plants bloom in April and May for a very short time, for like a week. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they could be uprooted through uh, June, July, September. Mm -hmm. So that means that the actual selling of these plants also took place in June, July, September.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Because uh, that's essentially when you could move them. Now, this is where the Dutch invent yet another part of modern economics. Um, So, you know, just as a side note, it's not the Jews, it's the Dutch.
1: Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, no, it is the Dutch. (laughs) And it has always (laughs) been the Dutch. Um,
0: So essentially what happens is during the rest of the years, uh, Dutch tulip growers and investors would sign contracts uh, before a notary to buy and sell at the end of the season so what they do here is they effectively invent futures contract trading
1: oh wow hmm
0: yeah so still doing shit today (laughs) yep (laughs) Uh, so let's see Uh, then another thing that comes with uh, future trading is short selling and Mm -hmm. this will end very quickly Uh, I'll get into short selling in a little bit, but so the first ban was made in 1610 and it's later reiterated and strengthened in 1621, 1630 and 1636.
1: They banned short selling of tulips or short selling in general?
0: Uh, I believe in general.
1: Oh, wow. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, So I don't know how my listeners are, but I had no idea what short selling was. Until I uh, did my research today. So if you don't know, uh, short selling is essentially, uh, oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. Oh, no, Keep no, going. no.
1: I was going to say, I just imagine, I did not know about short selling until like Bitcoin um, ah, started right. doing futures contracts and I had to ask her what it was. And I still barely understand how short selling works. I know how going long on things works. I just don't understand how short selling works. It's apparently the exact opposite, but for some reason my brain can't remember that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: yeah, give it uh, your best shot. It might it's probably
0: better than mine. Well, I mean, most of it goes way over my head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Finances are tough. <laughs> they're a fucking mess. Um. But basically, uh short selling is uh, a situation whereby you invest in such a way that you essentially have a benefit in the uh, value or the price of the product you're investing in falling. Mm-hmm. So normally, uh, like if you think like a logical, normal person, yeah, um, you'll think like, I'd want to invest in something that goes up in value. Yeah. Because then I can sell it and make money. Mm-hmm. Um but somehow here you invest, and then it becomes worth less, and then somehow you make money. Um, don't ask me; ask a racial minority.
1: <laughs> it's um, <laughs> there is a good documentary called. Uh, dirty money on Netflix and I believe it's the episode where Martin Shkreli is the it's a, it's a, the a, Martin Shkreli is the oh, right. picture yeah. that they use but it's not about Martin Shkreli it's about the larger corporation that he was a part of it's a pharma corporation mm-hmm. and it's it the most of the people they interview are pharma short sellers um so if anybody wanted to see real life short selling in action Check out that documentary in that episode specifically because they talk all about how these short sellers are there and they make lots of money off these big companies just basically going bankrupt, which it's kind of rad yeah. to be a short seller because, <laughs> you know, you would you would think the, the regular impression of short selling that you would get, you would think it that it's harmful to, you know, me and you, bullshito you know what I mean? Like people like us, yeah. like it fucks the economy for us, but it really doesn't. Yes. Short sellers are actually the good guys. They're the ones fucking robbing all the money off the stupid decisions big corporations make. So fuck it.
0: <laughs> it would be a good <laughs>
1: business to get into. They say, yeah, it, think- they say it re cause you know, you can't take money out really money doesn't leave an economy. You know what I mean? Like it it just yeah. kind of changes hands. And so it it gets a lot of the hand, the hands out of old money and into the uh, new hands. Is what I understand short selling to be. So it's a really difficult uh-huh. thing to do, but if you can get into it,
0: you're doing good work. Well, um, Keep that. so let's see. Uh, an interesting thing about these edicts is uh, the way they work. So there's not really an enforcement of, uh, like, like a diehard no short selling mm. uh, policy, mm. but it makes them so that a short selling contract is not enforceable now this has consequences but those also completely go over my head so i won't be explaining them yeah um, sure. so let's see in 1634 uh french speculators enter the market because mm. at this point tulips were a pretty successful product already um causing fried prices to go up further
1: mm-hmm. this
0: continues until 1636 um when in November, the Dutch set up um future trading markets yep. uh which I also mostly don't understand the fine points of again more finance ask your local racial minority um, but uh, it appears to boil down to very literal contracts trading yeah um i so could try let me virtually...
1: let me i can I try and give futures uh, yeah. my best shot. <laughs> Please. Yes. It's funny because most of the listeners are probably like, no, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) More or less is futures contracts renew after a certain period of time. And they usually renew around the 20th of the month of each month. And it doesn't matter when Mm -hmm. you take it. Your particular one will usually end on that given day of the given month when your contract ends. And the point is you either want to be able to, to, to speculate on the price of it or have the product delivered to you. So yes basically, um, you can predict, well, you can, you can say, uh, I, I, I want to purchase uh, uh, wrought iron, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to purchase it today. I want to purchase it, you know, a month from now. I want to put my contract in now. So I'm going to pay this much today for it, uh, that amount yes. of time from then. I think I'm getting this right. And so yeah,
0: basically
1: right. you stand to lose if wrought iron, goes down in price. So for example, yes. beef beef trading was huge or oil futures were huge. Oil, actually this happened in real life, the oil futures. Nobody was buying oil. Nobody even needed to process the oil. So the futures contracts values went into the negative. What that meant, people are going, what do you mean? They're going to pay me to buy oil? No, of course not. That's not how that works. What, what works, what happens is, that number indicates that it's actually more expensive to store the oil than to produce Mm -hmm. the oil. So basically seems to be that futures are, I'm going to bet by paying money today that this product will be more expensive in the future so that I'm getting a good deal today. I think that's how futures work. And it makes sense to do that with, well, sorry, it doesn't seem to make sense to do that with tulips because tulips to me, and maybe because this was the 1600s and futures were new so this kind of thing didn't wasn't evidently clear yet to the average person mm-hmm. but like that would be like doing futures on wheat grain and everybody knows that you cannot base an economy on wheat because you have <laughs> terrible seasons you have great seasons and your economy yep. would just be shitting itself constantly
0: so, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: I imagine flowers which die in the span of two or three weeks, because tulips are perennials, right? They don't last forever. Uh, yeah. They, um, I would imagine that that was a huge reason why this thing started to collapse was the introduction of the futures contract into it.
0: Um, I would guess you could mm, tell me I'm
1: wrong, and I might be.
0: Kind of. Uh, we'll get to it, but okay. Uh, I mean, I think you can see how futures trading. Starts here because it's of course very interesting. Um, so, you have enti- basically an entire year, you have three months in which your tulips can actually be delivered. So, like, you know what? Maybe, as you said, like, if I uh, pay whatever the price of tulips is now, uh, it will be much cheaper than uh, when actual tulip season comes around, essentially. Got it. Hmm. So, uh, what they would do uh, is a pair of merchants would come together in a tavern and pay two and a half percent wine money to the tavern for every trade. Oh wait, uh,
1: I'm sorry. Can you back that up and explain that to me again? I'm a little lost. Wine money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What does that so mean? the wine money. Uh,
1: you mean like money to? So like, what do you mean?
0: Well look at it this way, there was like an official exchange um, in in different cities. However, um, these merchants, mm-hmm. for reasons that I don't entirely understand, but it mm-hmm. ha- has everything to do with money, mm-hmm. um, no shit, <laughs> um, <laughs> they uh, decided to not trade on the exchange, but instead go to uh, another place where it's convenient to meet so, a tavern. Um, oh, okay. But they're not getting drunk in the tavern. They're not eating in the tavern. But, I, I mean, a tavern doesn't want people just coming in and out trading but doing nothing, right? Right, or right. spending no money. And, so, and
1: I'm sorry, before you continue, because why did they choose the tavern over the exchange? Is it simply because not every town had an
0: exchange? No, I think most towns had an exchange. They just didn't want to be. But uh, there legally. was like a, yeah, legally yeah, or yeah. You know what like, I mean. I don't give a, a shit. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah.
1: Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: gotcha. They they have their reasons. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. No, I was just wondering, like, are they trying to avoid the comps? <laughs> like, I get it. I get it, <laughs> I get it Dutch guys.
0: <laughs> um. So let's see. Uh. Interestingly, um, and of course, we see this today. um, In these kinds of exchanges, uh, actual tulip bulbs almost never uh, changed hands. So there were almost no deliveries to these contracts. It was just people that's right. Yes, buying, selling the
1: contracts. Yes, that's most futures contracts. Actually, that's exactly that's actually. And if people don't know that, that's pretty much how I would imagine. I don't know the actual number, but a good amount of futures contracts are literally just people speculating who have absolutely no interest in ever acquiring the product that they're paying money for. Yeah. Because, because, you know, some, some company will buy the futures contract off of them. That's what they're hoping.
0: Exactly. Yes. Um, so let's see, uh, by 1636, and this is right before the crash. So, um, they become tulip bowls became the fourth leading export product after gin, herrings, and cheese. Now, I,
1: loved, I <laughs> love the
0: Netherlands.
1: I love the Netherlands. <laughs> that's incredible. I, lo- I love all three of those things. <laughs> I didn't know you guys made gin, I thought that was Scottish, but fuck yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's an interesting side note that I actually have written down here. Uh, gin is an English ripoff. Of Yenever. Oh, what is that? Yenever is uh, essentially the same product, but better because it's Dutch, um, made by the Dutch, and later the, um, the English, uh, well, essentially copied it. Um, you,
1: it's still juniper berries and stuff like that, right? It's still yes. your classic. Oh man! Yes, awesome. Yes,
0: we call this juniper best. Literally. That's you in know Dutch. you.
1: I gotta tell you, in America, the Dutch are being done pretty dirty because I've never heard that term. I didn't know the Dutch made gin. Uh, they're doing being done pretty dirty. I thought it was just Scottish people were making it. So have you uh, have you ever heard of the uh, term Dutch courage? <laughs> Is that gin? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, just, I thought Dutch that was gin. rum. Oh fuck yeah! Okay, there you go. Oh <laughs> uh, hell yeah! Yeah.
0: Um. So uh,
1: now I gotta find me a Dutch gin. What's a Dutch gin? Is Tanqueray <laughs> Dutch? Tanqueray sounds like it could be Dutch.
0: No, let me find no, out. Tanqueray is, <laughs> Tanqueray is uh, Shit, It's London Dry gin. <laughs> oh, believe. it's London Dry. It is, and it's
1: shit. By the way, it's complete yes. shit. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Um. I'll uh. Uh Bokma Jenever. is a uh, typical Dutch, Yenever. Uh, Hall- Yenever. Yes.
1: Hollandse Gran Yenever. Hollandse Okay. Yes. Okay.
0: To I'm going to have to pick
1: this up. I'm going to have to pick some of this up.
0: All right. Let me know how you like it. Hell yeah. I It's I. I mean, you're a gin guy, I heard from. Yes, I am. I'm quite a gin I'm, guy. I'm not sure who, but from someone. <laughs> I am um, quite a
1: gin guy, and I and knowing that there's a whole uh, a whole new area of gin that I can try out, I will be very excited to.
0: All right. Oh man. Sweet. Um, let me see. Where was I? Uh, neighbor, Herring Steve Jack. So, uh, the mania essentially reached uh its peak in the winter between 1636 and 1637. Um. Prices were at their highest in November 36 and absolutely crashed in February 1637. Hmm. Now, um, here's the thing. It's kind of hard to make out how much they crashed. Uh, And I have a little excerpt from the wiki here. Um, The lack of consistently recorded price data from the 1630s makes the extent of the tulip mania difficult to discern. The book of available data comes from anti-speculative pamphlet by Garegoed and Waremond. Um, oh, that's Written just after the bubble. So the, the only real information that we have from
1: it is from people who hated the speculators in the first place.
0: Yes. Ha, huh, um, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a, a little bit more here. Uh, economist Peter Garber collected data on the sales of 161 bulbs of 39 varieties between 1633 and 1637 with 53 being recorded by GW so that's Gargoed and Warmond 98 sales were recorded for the last date of the bubble February 5th 1637 at wildly varying prices the sales were made using several market mechanisms Futures trading uh, at the colleges, uh, spot sales by growers, notarized future, sh- future s- sales by growers, and estate sales. Mm-hmm. Um, a quote is, to a great extent, uh, the available price data are a blend of apples and oranges, according to mm-hmm. Garber. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's hard to discern exactly how much it crashed. Interesting. Um, however, uh, what we do know, is that the uh, Dutch economy certainly didn't crash for another seventy years? Uh, oh yeah! So oh, it completely so... went to shit hmm. in seventeen oh two, but yeah. the entire economy, like as a, as a whole, was pretty, pretty fine up uh, until that point. Or well, no, even after this. So even after this tulip crash, basically. Uh, the economy was doing fairly well
1: mm.
0: Mm. and there is some more that this Anglo journalist that I talked about earlier uh, let me see what his name Charles McKay is full of shit uh, <laughs> because he tells an anecdote uh, and the anecdote is essentially that um, a sailor uh, that mistakes a tulip bob for an onion uh, eats it Um, after uh, having it handed to him from some sort of merchant just to hold for a little bit, mistaking it for kind of a a tip that he could use for his breakfast, Um, Mm. getting arrested as a result of it (laughs) because a tulip bulb could have paid the yearly wages of an entire crew of sailors. Um, So that's quite a bit of money that he ate up there. holy shit. There is only one problem with this anecdote: Um, tulip bulbs are apparently dirty as fuck. Like they're known to be poisonous, even if prepared incorrectly. Oh, right! Aren't times of famine are barely edible?
1: They're nightshade. That's right. They're in the night. They're related to potatoes. I forgot about
0: that. They're nightshades. Oh shit! Yeah. Hmm. So there's no way that even a dumb sailor uh, could have mistaken. Um, these tulip bubbles for onions. Um, At least he couldn't have eaten a full one. Like He could have taken a bite out of it, but at that point he would have known uh, that that was not an onion. Mm -hmm. Um, So McKay doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, Now, uh, he also claims that the massive speculative bubble that had been created Um, essentially burst and had a rather strong chill on the economy as a result. Mm. There is no evidence of this. Um, So, I have another quick excerpt from the wiki here, uh, which I thought put it together pretty well. So, while McKay's account held that a wide array of society was involved in the tulip trade, uh, Goldgar's study of archived contracts found that even at its peak, the trade of tulips was uh, conducted almost exclusively by merchants and skilled craftsmen who were wealthy, but not members of the mobility, nobility. Um, any economic fallout from the bubble was very limited. Goldgar uh, identified many prominent buyers and sellers in the market, uh, found fewer than half a dozen who experienced financial troubles in the time period, and even of those cases, it is not clear that tulips were to blame. Hmm. this is not altogether surprising, uh, although prices had risen, money had not, not changed hands between buyers and sellers. Thus, profits were never realized for sellers unless sellers had made other purchases on credit in expectations of the profits. Uh, the collapse in prices did not cause anyone to lose money. okay. Not even the, not the sellers even, you say? Because... Uh, Well, some sellers and investors, but really, uh, not, not really. um...
1: It didn't affect the vast majority of the Dutch to begin with. Yes. It didn't really affect the nobility because they were the buyers, not the sellers. So it was, it was more like the procurers and producers of the tulips who took the biggest hit on it. Is
0: that the case? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's hardly... um, uh, uh, well, a crash, like so much, uh, mostly just uh, like the investors uh, that were trading the contract.
1: Oh, it was a bubble. Oh, that's right, it was just a speculator bubble. Okay, okay,
0: yeah, oh, because uh, like the growers were still getting, yeah, more or less the regular price, right? Sure, and also, um, how how
1: expensive is it to grow tulips? can't be that expensive to grow tulips,
0: <laughs> I imagine not, <laughs> even back then. No, um, even
1: back then. A flower is a flower.
0: uh, Let me see. I think I I thought I made this note elsewhere, but I don't see it. So to give you an idea of um, how popular the contract trading was, um, some uh, contracts for um, tulip bulbs changed hands more than 10 times a day. Um, And you know how many of those bulbs were actually delivered? Zero. Oh, shit. Yeah. Huh. So you got a bunch of people, just uh, you know, buying and selling obligations essentially. Yeah, and air. Yeah. Um, but they're not; they weren't actually buying or selling bulbs. Mm. Um. So, let's see. The last bit is uh, I looked into what did happen and what did cause this supposed bubble to burst. Um, because it's it's doubtful that it's actually a speculative bubble um really, okay, so yeah, there is no denying that the prices between thirty six and thirty seven uh crashed and fell mm-hmm. um so viceroy tulips uh the most expensive at the time, sold for five times the value of an average house, holy
1: um, shit.
0: Yeah. Jesus. Uh, so uh, a good point that's made here for it to be a bubble uh the price would have had to be entirely disconnected from the intrinsic price of the bulbs. Um and that might not actually be the case. So bri- uh, that, I'm
1: not understanding that one. What does that mean? Do you know what that means? That that they had yeah, to be intrinsically so, separate from the price of the bulb.
0: So they had to be separate from the intrinsic price of the bulb what is an intrinsic price is that like 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 a like
1: labor value how do you find an intrinsic price
0: um i don't know because i've been spoiled
1: by austrians who tell me that price is (laughs) entirely subjective so i i have no idea
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i ran into this problem as well and i decided not to do too much research on it fair enough but maybe someone will know yeah uh ask someone who knows about uh economic shit uh, maybe Jay, from the uh, you, you know uh, shall, but you,
1: but you know what I shall do for us? I shall read the no. Wikipedia. I shall read the Wikipedia well, for us. And perhaps we sweet. will figure it out from there. <clears throat> <laughs> Should I do it in an accent? I think so. In finance, intrinsic value or fundamental value is the true inherent and essential value of an asset independent of its market value. Ah... So that is still very much something that would be in contention to this modern day, I would imagine. Yeah. Because Marxists have a completely different understanding of how price works, but I don't know if they just mean market value and not essential value. I I guess I would altogether just ignore the fact that essential value exists, but I am not an economist. I would,
0: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not an
1: economist, but usually essential things, I'm pretty much willing to say they don't exist 99% of the time. (laughs) (laughs) alright well there you go ladies
0: there we are Uh, learned yet another thing today Um, let me see Um, uh, ah check so there are some historical events uh, that correspond with um, both the rise and the drop of price Um, so the increase in price corresponds with a law in the Thirty Years' War. Mm. Um, After the Peace of Prague, um, which I believe ends the fighting between the French and the Germans, um, the French and the Dutch decide to support the Germans and the Swedes against the Habsburgs and occupy the, uh, by this time, Spanish-occupied Southern Netherlands. Um, Now, this leads to a result in, uh, Jesus Christ, this leads to a um, rise in demand and as such, a rise in price. Mm. Um, this should be uh, something that Austrians are familiar with.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, right. Um,
0: so, uh, let's see. Uh, another thing unconnected to a historical event, by the way, is that After the crash in 1637, the prices for tulips uh, appear to continue to go down. Not at such a fast rate, of course, but uh, they don't really pick up that much more. Um, Mm -hmm. And another thing is, apparently, the introduction of Hyacinth, about a century later, follows a very similar pattern. Mm -hmm. So when they're first introduced, uh, they get really expensive, become a status symbol. And then uh, price drops off, and kind of everyone uh, gets access to hyacinths. Mm. Um, So
1: much better flower, by the way, much better flower.
0: This idea has been criticized because it does not uh, sufficiently explain the enormous rise and fall in price uh, of more. Uh, regular tulip contracts Um, this could however possibly be explained by uh, an increase in the money supply in 1636 though Um, interesting yeah, there's not too much known about this but uh, essentially what they say is that there was a very big increase of deposits in the Amsterdam bank uh, indicating a uh, a more um, money supply Mm. Um, because apparently the financial records from this period are not optimal which I find somewhat surprising.
1: So they were printing more money to match the expanding economy? Is that what it was? Possibly.
0: Okay. Possibly. Um, So another potential cause and I think this might be the most important uh, cause is uh, a change in legislation. So uh, essentially, before 1636, uh, mm. all of these contracts were obligatory in nature. Uh, so, if you signed it, uh, you essentially uh, agreed to an obligation to buy uh, these tulips at uh, the agreed price, and it would be the other party would be obligated to supply them to you at this price at the agreed upon date. Um, however, New legislation uh, in February of 1637 made every contract from starting from November 1636 an optional contract whereby any buyer could opt out of the contract by paying a particular percentage uh, of the price to the seller. Um, And the idea is that the the general market had knowledge of this already Mm. uh, because the didn't fall out of thin air it didn't even just come out of parliament this was already uh, introduced into parliament by the um, trade guild uh, of the tulip growers or tulip traders whatever Um, so uh, the market having knowledge of this beforehand um, massively hiked up the prices Mm. because they were of course, expecting a bunch of people uh, to make use of this new optional structure and get out of their contracts. Mm. Um, so, of course, they're going to massively raise the price Right. Uh, because you're going to earn roughly the same if you suddenly get 20% of an 80% increase. Mm, right. Um, and that is pretty much all I have on the tulip bubble. Crazy. Um yeah, so, wild
1: man, really wild because yeah. that is not at all what I thought it was like. Who I thought was involved in it, I thought it was a craze. You know, I thought everybody in in an, when you were building it up to be like everybody in the Netherlands was really rich. I was like, oh, so <laughs> so everybody had tulips, but it, that might just be that there were a few uh, major nobility and corporates who were rich, and everybody else was probably just
0: pretty much. Yeah, the
1: same as they were everywhere else in Europe. <laughs> I'm actually surprised that the that that there wasn't a, a Marxist revolution in the Netherlands. To be honest with you,
0: <laughs> well, here's the problem: the Netherlands are just way too good at making money.
1: Yeah, yeah, you guys are really good at making fucking money.
0: Why? Did, why is that? So. So let's go into that
1: if we can, because I'm sure you have a little understanding of history, because maybe we have a little time. So the Dutch, I mean, they have to get to this point. And as far as I understand it, they they are under a personal union with the Spanish crown. So they have more or less full independence in every sector other than the royal legislature. Like they can pretty much act the way they normally would other than that. Ultimately, the law's are set by the Spanish crown. So being that as it is, I'm sure the Spanish wanted the Dutch to be making a lot of money because it meant they would be making a lot of money. So how the fuck do the Dutch make all the money? Because the Dutch don't, they don't participate as far as I understand it, at least in this period, they don't participate in the slave trade. Um, Certainly not um, to a a massive extent they don't participate in the slave trade until they get involved in the Caribbean. Yes. So I, what was it? Was was really India and Indonesia was that lucrative with all this? Were they bringing spices
0: in? Uh, yeah, so it was mostly uh, the spice trade that made mm. the Dutch extremely rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly also because they developed a monopoly on it. Um, so um, we have an expression in Dutch um, or uh, an expression in, in idiom, I guess uh, peperduur. Which means pepper expensive, so do that again. Being paper dure of paper. No, do it, do
1: it. Yeah, do it with your. I can't do it. (laughs) Paper. I can't do it. I'm not. Wherever my tongue, wherever your tongue sits, I can't get it to go that far back. (laughs) (laughs) Paper. Paper. No way. You're you're getting pretty close. Paper. Van Gogh. (laughs) <laughs> ben, ben, ben <laughs> Van Gogh. <goch. laughs> Van Gogh. Van Gogh. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty close. <laughs> I can roll my R's. Yeah. I, can, I can't I can't my G's. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man. Uh, sorry to interrupt, drink, so paper uh, your paper you gin. Your, a little your, note,
1: your <laughs> paper bit your pa- your paper door.
0: Yes, so this is because uh pepper used to be extremely expensive um but uh let's see where do I begin so there's a lot of shit going on um first of all, the Netherlands are geographically just in a good location for trade yeah um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like basically close to all of the big powers in europe uh close to the baltic sea um access to the ocean um you know you name it mm. uh Then there's uh, essentially, uh, uh, the, especially at that time, and still kind of tradition of shipbuilding and sailing. So the Dutch were very competent sailors, um, which of course helps if you're uh, trading internationally in a time before airplanes exist. Mm. Um, And uh, partly is because they were one of the first nations... To adopt a policy of, uh, well, a very liberal policy essentially of religious freedom. Um, so, what happened is the Dutch revolt kicks off and they fight with Spanish and they become more or less independent. Yeah. And a lot of uh, Huguenots flee from France to the Netherlands. Huguenots and were Huguenots,
1: the Catholics or the Protestants?
0: Uh, Protestant as well. They were, pro- um, okay. Yes, but Huguenots were often uh two things. Rich mm. and intelligent. Um, mm. and that is a very good combination, of course.
1: Oh yeah, to bring people in, sure.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
1: yeah. Um They went a lot of them went to England too, now that I think about it. I hear the term Huguenot a lot. Yeah. Referring to French is- like French Englishmen. I think that's kind of a derogatory,
0: <laughs> but who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um so that's part of it. Then, Mm. uh, there's, um, uh, let me think, uh, so the, I am not sure if it's, I don't think it's the discovery because they knew, oh, this is what happens. Um, so it used to be before the Dutch, um, the Portuguese essentially had a monopoly on the spice trade. Mm. And Um, from, from Africa? from Africa. Oh, India too. Malabar. Uh, yeah. Malabar
1: is a Malabar is a Portuguese. That's right. They made it all the way over there. Yep.
0: Yep. So, hmm. uh, at some point, you know, warring happens and and shit happens in history. And the Dutch, uh, essentially take over this position from the Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this might have to do with the Dutch finding the way to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Because now what was their way they... to Indonesia?
1: They rounded the, 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 Cape, yeah, went around Africa? Cape Good Hope, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. uh, in Africa, um, which is, by the way, also the origin story of the uh, Flying Dutchman. Yes, um, it is.
1: Yes, it is.
0: Yes. Uh, so if you didn't know, uh, the captain of the Flying Dutchman sold his soul to the devil, uh, yes. to get around Cape Good Hope, and now he's doomed to sail around Cape Good Hope for all eternity. Forever.
1: And honestly. Yes. You know, I have know some people who, I know sailors, I know Navy guys, I know yeah. a lot of people who've seen the Dutchman, so there's definitely something going on oh. out there on the seas. Definitely something strange. I've heard
0: wild stories from um, from sailors, yeah, both yeah. Uh, like freight or, or mm-hmm. merchant fleet, as yeah. well as, uh, as Navy, of seeing all kinds of wild shit, and see ghost yeah. ships, just... Burning gas tankers in the middle of of an ocean. There was one time when me of-
1: when me and my father were fishing, we were deep water fishing uh, on the in the Gulf of Mexico. Right, we were on the west side of the Florida Peninsula, and yeah. um, and it was evening. We spent the whole day out there. We went there at eight a.m. We probably came back <laughs> around seven, and this was cold. Like it was. It was more or less whatever season goes on. Of, I know it's harder, harder to tell, but whatever season goes on in Florida where the days are getting shorter uh, because it's farther <laughs> down. So it must be closer towards, you know, the winter time. But so the, it was but- getting very dark by like 4 p.m., but we stayed out. And as we were mm-hmm. going back in, and we probably weren't that far out. We, I don't think we were even in international waters. But as we were going back, you know, light phenomenon started happening for some reason. I guess because there was a storm coming and it was messing oh, with sure. the clouds or whatever right. it was. And this was in the evening time. So me and him, we saw, I, I, I pointed out to him that there was this weird green glow um in yeah. the clouds not far it was obviously light phenomenon but that was my encounter mm-hmm. i like to think with the dutchman is that uh ah. that green cloud <laughs> if you ever see green clouds just you know just know the dutchman is nearby maybe you could buy some good spices off of him
0: ooh yeah um so that's part of it uh monopolizing the the spice trade another thing they did was um uh the grain trade They made a lot of money of that. Grain, Um, really? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So what they did is, in good years, they bought up fuck tons of grain, Mm. stored it in warehouses, and then in bad years, sold it for insane markups Mm -hmm. uh, to whomever would buy it. Right. Um, Which also helped a lot, of course, um, with uh, income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, uh, they also start engaging in the slave trade, um, and uh, once or twice, they also raid the Spanish silver fleet, mm-hmm. um, which was returning from the American colonies. Um, right. Which was, of course, also very lucrative.
1: Yeah, piracy was was that was another thing because of the me doing the Columbus research. Um, piracy, piracy was huge. And that was actually a lot of explorers got their death sentences, um, recused if they agreed to, um, uh, be, uh, colonists and go and, and be shipped out and sent to other places to go and explore. Like, I believe it was, well, there are four people on Columbus's ship, for example, or of his three ships, his fleets, four of them had death sentences recused, um, So that was that, yeah. So there are a lot of piracy and a lot of, yeah, a lot of piracy on the high seas during this period of time and a lot of money to protect it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Ah, yeah. So uh, let me wrap this up um, with uh, a few main takeaways. Uh, So, one is don't trust journals and don't trust the English um, because they are full of shit. All the time. Um,
1: Except for Guy Fox, who shout out to Guy Fox, by the way, who I found out was an English Catholic who fought for the Spanish during the Eighty Years' War (laughs) and then went over to England to fuck more shit up later on. So every every (laughs) every Englishman other than Guy Fox.
0: Um also, uh I think there's actually a beautiful demonstration of uh the fact that Austrian economics actually work. Um because if it were not for government fucking this shit up with some absurd legislation, uh the tulip trade would have been entirely fine.
1: Very not true. That
0: mattered much anyway. Um Alright. Bird, uh your plugs. Fuck, you caught me off guard this time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard. Usually usually I try and plug a different person's name and podcast every time um i'll do mine this well, uh, time uh, at bird follow me at bird and listen to my pod uh my podcast the gaslight
0: hour <laughs> yes yes listen to the gaslight hour uh i love those guys um me too let me see uh you let's uh let's go with the same plug as we did uh yesterday um the, the important one, let's say, uh, donate to a bill fund. Yes, um, yes,
1: yes. Um, I don't know when you're releasing this. It's always going to be relevant, but we recorded these during the midst of all the big protesting that's going on in Milwaukee, yes. New York, all this. Um, the most useful thing that you can do to help generally is to go and donate to a bail fund. Bail fund money gets recycled so long as people do their part and keep putting money back in the way the bail system mm-hmm. works. And um, you don't have to particularly support anybody other than your own community if you feel so inclined. But you know, Minnesota could probably use the help. My own city could definitely use the help. Um, Dallas could certainly use the help from what we've seen. And and obviously, again, when you release this, it could be a completely different situation. Shit, by the time you yeah. release this bullshito, Uh, Oklahoma city might not exist anymore. Who knows? (laughs) So, uh, uh, uh,
0: you might need the bail fund. (laughs) That's right. That's right.
1: I might be arrested by the time you release this. And that's a serious statement. So I might need the bail fund too. So, uh, uh, just go and donate (laughs) to a bail fund, do your part. If you don't want to go out there and protest and fuck shit up. And by fuck shit up, I mean, peaceful demonstrations, people, peaceful demonstrations, of course, fuck shit up, fuck the system up, uh, make people think differently. Uh, bail fund mutual funds as well mutual aid societies as well uh libertarians yes. we 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 gotta do more uh and, and sending our money places is a good way to start so that yeah thanks Absolutely. for reminding me good 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 thing to plug
0: yes um so then i do have some plugs um you can follow me on twitter uh under the uh at of um dogman respecter um Yes. And um my podcast, uh being Unshackled Liberty, um <laughs> is part of the Fred House. Yes. Um and the Fred House, which hopefully will be containing the Fatcast very soon as well. Mm. Um contains at the at the moment this is being recorded, uh two fats in the back, interaction Inc., Lauren Hardy Cross the Pond. That's me and Quincy. Unshackled Liberty. Uh, some failed stand-up comedian who we won't be talking about anymore here. Uh, No Real Libertarian. Um, Great show by a great guy. Absolutely listen to it. Uh, Erase the State, Desoes, Shandley Planet, Gaslight Hour, Annex property. Second Liberty, Punk Rock, Libertarians, and Burning Boots. Um, And um, you know what? Uh, I fucking love you all. (laughs) And <laughs> uh, <Amber. laughs> and let's
1: all and let's all just except for you, Bolshito, We'd I'd like to uh, take the moment here, actually, in thinking about this, to yes. just go congratulations, your thesis on completing it. Let's all give thank you, thank Bushido you, a round of applause. I had to do my thesis. Everybody who's done one knows it is probably the most stressful period of time a person can go through in college. Yeah. So congratulations. I hope it it takes you thank great you. places and we hope you thank never you, stop podcasting.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. uh with that, you remind me of the one last plug I do actually uh want to put out. Um and thank you again. Uh um I have a Patreon uh because I am a poor um and I would like to sound a little bit less like a poor um so give me money uh yes. so I can buy uh soundproofing and a better mic uh and a laptop that's not a total piece of shit <laughs> um, right so uh yes that uh links all of the plugs will be in the uh show notes um, thank you bird uh not for coming on Uh, not a problem and i
1: hope everybody's excited (laughs) to get into the russian revolution next time dude i'm so excited that could be we could be talking about having to do multiple episodes uh uh, and i mean multiple several hour episodes because just i just started it and Lenin yeah. alone is like, oh my god, first of all, I didn't realize, I thought Lenin was just like some schmuck who knew how to organize, guy was a fucking <laughs> genius, and he wrote a tremendous amount, and so his history alone, and then I got to do Trotsky, got to figure out how Stalin comes in. It. oh, it's going to be a lot, but it's going to be a damn good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man,
0: I look forward to it, um, and if there's anything I love, it's, uh... Recording a certain amount of episodes uh, in like wow. one day releasing